everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. beautiful day here at Serendipity Labs. We're recording another episode of the Jeff Rose podcast. I'm here with Jeff and Carson, our engineer. This is Jason Pace. Today we're going to be talking about collaboration, which what a great topic uh, for a Friday. And today we're kind of going to be riffing on this a little bit. You know, we're kind of relaxed here in the studio today. And um, Jeff, you're going to share with us a lot about collaboration and teamwork and as it relates to education. But you know, this is something that a lot of us experience um in, in you know in business as well so i'm interested to have this conversation see where we have overlaps and different and maybe differences too who knows right this this is not specific to education and yet i have found it to be probably the most important aspect of um, the quality of education kids receive it has to do with how educators are working together there's no silver bullet to this work, but if ever there was one, it is this collaborative practices of educators and of leaders. And whether you call it, you know, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole or not one of us um, is as good as all of us. Two is you know, one and, and right, one is none. <laughs> we're, we're, better, we're better together. Whatever, you know, right. however you describe it, um, it is really true. Here's the dilemma in this podcast is that your job, Jason, is to keep me honest, meaning... You know, this is, if anything I'm knowledgeable on, it would be this. This yeah. is my dissertation topic. I have hundreds of pages written on this very thing, and I studied this and chose to study this amongst teachers and the impact that quality collaborative practices have on the instruction and therefore the results or the learning of students. So um, I don't want to come across as luxury on this podcast, and so... You know, hopefully you will keep me honest with your questions and let's mm. keep this real and focused as opposed to, you know, me launching into a diatribe of theories because people don't really want to hear that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious as to what made you choose that as your dissertation topic or, would you, or did somebody give it to you to say, here's what you're going to do, Jeff, or did you get to choose it? It, it was my choice. I was a, okay. a principal at the time when I decided to go back and work on my doctorate and we had already established in the school, it was Russell Academy, where I was principal of Russell Academy of Academic Achievement, go Russell Rockets. And oh, yeah, the famous yeah, Russell that, that's Rockets. Exactly, that's the right. famous Russell Rockets. And, you know, we did a lot of, you know, phenomenal things at the school that we were very proud of. But the one thing we were most proud of is how our teachers worked together. And okay. we had a very tight um, system for how to do that. And it took oh, wow. us years to cultivate. 
And I decided when I was leaning into this doctor at work that if I want to know more about anything, it would be that. Um, and, you know, it allowed me to learn a lot. And so at Russell Academy, when you became principal there, you implemented this. Now, were, you weren't the t- a teacher also there first, were you? I was not. I was okay, the principal. Okay, so you came into Russell, Russell Academy um, as the principal and implemented this collaboration Yes, we implemented this, okay. and I would say that, you know, this, this isn't mine. You know, collaborative practices is not something that I discovered, and I'll go into in a little bit, just touch on some of the research aspects of it, but um, we made it ours, and I think that was really important to our process. In fact, it's what I would recommend to everyone. This is not a prescriptive approach. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of the critical tenets, of collaborative work okay but in the meantime just know that we don't claim that we were the first to establish collaborative practices but we honed our own and Mm -hmm. we were very proud of them and by the way we saw results well i want to i want i definitely want you to talk about those results but i actually do think this is going to be practical for anyone listening right now right it sounds like this is a you know if 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 you're listening right now if somebody's listening right now then you know and, and you don't feel like maybe there's enough collaboration in your school or administration, then, you know, this will be a great topic for them. Jeff, you and I have talked about this and it, it seems like you, you know, you've implemented this before and really at the places you've implemented this, uh, it's, it's almost become an expectation, right? And it, tell me a little bit about, I mean. Well, I believe to be great. Let's take this down to the teacher level. I think for a teacher to be great, I would expect that they influenced actually more than their students. Mm. My expectation has grown over time, but I have learned that the great ones focus on more than just their kids. So, for example, if you are an elementary teacher and you have 30 students in your class, great teachers influence a lot more than 30 kids. And the way they do that is they have influence with their peers mm-hmm. and from their peers. And they're actually making a difference in other classrooms for which they are not fully responsible for. That's what great yeah. teachers do. In fact, um, I once knew a teacher, and I'm just gonna say once, right? I've had many years, so I'm not gonna reveal anything. And this teacher was one of the best instructors and motivators um, I've ever seen. I could go into this particular classroom when I was having a bad day, and my day would change. Miracles happen in that class. Every year, um, I could look at the results and see different results in this particular classroom. Um, Truly inspirational. Um, At one point in time, this teacher was recognized, or just about recognized, and they were gonna receive a reward. And so it came time for, you know, a signature from me, my endorsement, to allow this teacher to be entered for this particular reward, mm-hmm. um, excuse me, award. Now, I wasn't able to sign the document. No. And the reason is that this teacher was a great instructor but didn't meet my definition of what it means to be a great teacher, which means you are willing to lean in and influence and be influenced by your team. This teacher was not a great team player. Hard worker, way too hard of a worker, but not a great 
team player. Hmm. And when it came for me to sign that document, I actually had to pause and not do it. Wow. And it was really, really hard thing for me to do. And it definitely explained back to that teacher. But I did believe, and I still do, to be great, you have to be willing to work with others and actually take ownership over more kids than just your own. And the only way to do that is through these collaborative practices. Okay. So, so was, was this person kind of a lone wolf? Would you, would you characterize them that way? Yeah. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Okay. Um, an impressive one. Wow. Um, but can't be great. You can be very good, but you can't be great because schools are more than just teachers closing their door and being good instructors or motivators within the confines of those walls. Right, right. Well, I think I'm going to learn something on this. This is something we can really dig into. Um, so what are, the, what are the challenges? Talk to us about the challenges. Well, the challenges that I've learned over time as it relates to collaborative practices have to do with, number one, the variety of terms in literature and research that are used describe sometimes the very same thing. In fact, um, when, I say, when I say PLC, uh-huh. you know, that acronym, PLC, w- mm-hmm. what do you think of? Programmable Logic Controller. Okay. That's because of your line of work. <laughs> okay, if you, if, you were to, if you were to Google, right, the, yeah. the acronym PLC, there's a lot of them, right? But okay. the educator would say, oh, that's professional learning community. Oh, okay. Right, that's yeah. that's Never a term, right? That. Actually, okay. I think there's a trademark on that term, professional learning community. Okay. Right? Rick DeFore is um, really the one very responsible for, you know, making PLC acronym very, very popular. Okay. Now, the thing about PLC, describing this professional learning community, and kind of the tenets of that, well, those have been used and sometimes abused through a variety of literature, um, professors, etc., describing this is what collaboration looks like. So you have the variety of terms, and then, of course, you have the variance and conceptualization of the components, which is kind of included, which just creates this ambiguity on what is collaboration. So what is the definition of collaboration? In my opinion, you have to have clarity for those things in order to make the system work. And I have learned over time that those issues just cloud the topic, and therefore there's a lot of people that say they do it. In fact, rarely do teachers say, oh yeah, I don't collaborate. However, you know what's interesting? While most say they do, the number one reason that people leave the teaching profession is that they actually feel isolated. Hmm. So that's odd. Most people say, oh yes, we collaborate. And then yet the number one reason people leave is they feel isolated, though there's some conflicts there. Mm -hmm. So how does the terminology, so if I got you right, that this first challenge is in the terminology, it it, it makes things fuzzy for people, and so maybe they do it wrong, or what's the real... Right. So, for example, when uh, if I were to say, so what is collaboration? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just, I, I sometimes talk about the abuse of the C word, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The C word being collaboration. Yeah. Well, people would describe that very differently, but a lot of times people really assume that it is, you know, cooperation, people oh, getting along, gotcha. conversation, sometimes even, okay. even sharing. Right. People talk about, you know, um, let's collaborate over this. Well, what, what does that actually mean? So in my opinion, you have to have a tight definition in order to create okay. a solid system that ensues. So for example, my definition 
that I have used over and over is it is a level of discourse that impacts practice and therefore results. So my expectation is that this is not just chit-chat. Mm-hmm. It is actually conversation and this lean-in process that impacts practice. So what you do mm-hmm. and your discussion with me and vice versa, we are impacting the practices of one another and then therefore the results of students. Okay. It's this very complicated process actually of putting the topic or the issue in the middle of the table, mm-hmm. when in this case, students, and saying, what are we going to do around this room to do our best to really see you know, this topic through to, to fruition? Or how do we make sure the student meets their potential, which sometimes can be complicated. But my theory was always, if the right people are in the room under the right conditions, the answer is in the room. Right. And so the first thing is just to get the definition of collaboration right. What's next? So I'm going to go through some steps, uh, things that I've learned that are really important to just the quality team and collaborative process. Um, these aren't necessarily in order, but, but kind of. If I were to say the first and foremost tenet of collaborative practices is blank, you might guess what? Because I talk about this issue all the time. What would you guess? That's the first and foremost tenet of a quality team. I mean, you say it all the time. It's culture. Culture and climate. Culture Absolutely and climate. Right, yeah, right. there you go. What an amazing right, I got student. 50% of the what answer. What an amazing student you I, are. Yeah, I right? wasn't even taking notes, Jeff. Culture and climate. So, right, this culture is the way we do things around here, right? And right. climate is the way we, we feel, feel about, about it. it. Right. The concept around culture and climate is it creates an expectation of this is how we do it. Right. So we don't work alone in this school or in this building or in this district or in this central office. We actually work together. Mm -hmm. There's no silos here. Yeah. So there needs to be that. The really good teams have clear goals. And not just we want to be the best we can be by the end of this school year. That is not a clear goal. Um, Clear goals are very specific. Most educators can relate to the idea of a SMART goal. Yeah. SMART, by the way, is an acronym. And by the way, people use different... Specific, measurable. Attainable, relevant, time-based. Some people use the acronym differently, but that's basically it. And, you know, goals that are ongoing. So what is the goal over literally maybe the next two weeks aligned to this specific curriculum area? What do we want all of our kids to be able to know and do? And really good teams do that well. Um, And then, by the way, they pay attention to results. Now, when I say results, I am not referring to the state test, (laughs) right? That's not what I'm referring to because if they're focused on clear goals, they're pulling results all the time. Right. Results aligned to maybe mutual assessments that we are doing as a team of teachers, but the results are specific to helping the students move on and improve. So it's kind of these, what the educator would say, formative results, how we use these results to help the learning process. So what I heard was culture, climate, goals, results. So far, exactly right. right, right? Keep going. And then the other is time and structures. You can't Mm -hmm. just say, let's collaborate and let's make this part of our culture and climate. You have to have a system. And when I say system, you need to know exactly when these meetings start. And these meetings should be focused on nothing but this. The dilemma with meetings... So one topic. Right. Okay. 
not just one topic, but this is our collaborative team process. Oh, so got it. Okay. When we sit down at this time of the week, we don't talk about anything else. We're not going to swap ideas relative to an assembly mm-hmm. or anything else. We're talking specifically about this process, our kids related to, of course, our goals. Okay. And, you know, you go through this process, and then, of course, you have to determine even how do we capture some of the things that we're learning from one another, because this is, in fact, the best form of professional development there is, is when teachers are willing to talk very specifically about their children, what is working in their classrooms and what is not, Mm -hmm. and sharing that process. But there has to be specific systems and time set aside for nothing but that. Right. And it's got to be institutionalized. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And then, you know, deprivatization is this term. I don't think you can even catch that in uh, Webster's. But the concept of deprivatization is you're willing to share. Yeah. Open source. Absolutely. In fact, um, this is really, really probably the hardest thing for educators and teachers is this. In fact, people say, well, why? Because teaching is so personal. Mm. Teaching is one of these things where the concept of closing the door and teaching is very tempting. It happens all the time because, you know, yes, you teach and you deliver, but it is really you as the teacher doing your best to impact these other humans in your classroom and, you know, bringing your results and putting them in the middle of the table is really hard to do. In fact, I would say that it's one of the, it's probably the biggest stumbling block of quality teams. The unwillingness to deprivatize not just their data, but their practices. My expectation has been this. If you are, you are just killing it in the classroom, in a good way. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Right? <laughs> yeah, You're doing yeah. really well. You can come in and say, I don't know what's going on right now, but my results are through the roof. Right. My kids are growing leaps and bounds. And it has to do with something I'm doing in the classroom I believe that's impacting them. And that's really hard to do because, you know, it's the way it sounds like you're bragging a bit. But by the way, that is deprivatizing. Jeff, what would cause somebody to not want to deprivatize maybe, you know, their techniques or their results or whatever? Well, being that teaching is very personal, it's, it's hard for teachers to say to their peers, um, when things are going really well Hmm. and it's hard for them to take credit when their students are growing leaps and bounds, or by the way, maybe outperforming students that are being taught by their peers. Uh-huh, that's right. hard to talk about, but by the way, that's part of deprivatizing. Okay. And my expectation would be around the table, the team members actually then learn from whatever that teacher is potentially doing mm-hmm. that is demonstrating different results in his or her classroom compared to the others. And by the way, it's even harder for a teacher to come put results in front of his or her peers and say, something's going on. If it's not working. It's right. not working. My right. kids are struggling. And by the way, that's on me. Yeah. As opposed to, right. I don't know what's wrong with these kids. It must be a bad batch, <laughs> sure. right? I don't believe that. Right. Right. I believe we have to take ownership of our students. And so that's hard for a teacher to come and say, there's something in my classroom that I'm either doing or not doing Mm. that is impacting these results, and I need help. Okay. And that that role, that that strategy of deprivatizing not just practices and results is just critical. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then last, I would say, really good teams, um, you know, have reflective dialogue. And not just about their students or their results or their instructional practices, but about their collaboration. They do these checks. How are we doing? How is our team? What Are we truly meeting our goals as it relates to our own culture and climate expectations? Are we sharing? Are They need to be reflective practitioners, in my opinion, uh, based upon what I have experienced and observed. Jeff, I think this comes natural to some people, and to some people it doesn't. Um, you talked about that lone wolf, right? So I'm thinking of what um, maybe something more prescriptive about, you know, if you're a principal and you're trying to get people to do this. Uh, you talked about that one teacher. What do you do with the lone wolves out there? The lone wolves. Well, I think leaders understand the concept of what some describe as a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think if you to establish this kind of culture and climate in your building, the leader needs to be willing to have the difficult conversation specific to the expectation of collaboration in that building or yeah. in that district. And this is what we do. And to be part of us, this is the process I expect you to lean into because mm -hmm. we're here to do best by children. And I believe collaborating with one another is what's best for the student. Not necessarily what's best for every adult because, by the way, sometimes this process makes adults very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It really does. Some, sure. some adults actually do really well alone. Mm -hmm. Right, the teacher I described before, that teacher did really well alone. Yeah, probably knew it too, and knew it. And by the way, so did others. Yeah, yeah. This was not a secret. So, was, but so I think the leader just needs to be clear. This is what we do. And by the way, it's not just a loosey goosey expectation. Yeah. Once again, we have a system for it. Sure. So, so you're you're saying you don't let the lone wolf continue to be a lone wolf. You bring him in. That's right. right? That's okay. exactly right. Okay. Because once again, I think the expectation needs to be that we want to be great and we're right. better together. Right. Now, I will say that it's okay for teachers to do some work alone. I mean, if that is where they find their creative spirit, I think that that needs to be understood and supported. However. There also needs to be an expectation that they learn from and help their peers. Mm -hmm. uh, let's flip it. Uh, let's say, uh, let's say the principals, you know, your your whoever's upstream of you, uh, your your leader is just not all that collaborative. But as a teacher, maybe or or maybe you know, you're uh, you work for a superintendent, maybe. What what's the what's the advice if you feel like collaboration needs to be brought into the environment or needs to be enhanced or maybe it's not being practiced properly? What would be a strategy for somebody in that situation? Well, you're, what I hear you asking is then the leadership strategy of this, right? Is what, what does the leader do to establish this? Is, no, is what, what if what if my leader isn't just not into this? What if I'm a teacher listening to this and like just saying, absolutely, Jeff, I agree with you. Wow, I wish I had this in my school, but my my principal, my leader is just not. We're not practicing. Got that. it. Got it. So I always say that you know data should be the mediator. Ah. Right, so rather than get into a debate on what is the right thing to do in terms of teaching practices, let's look at the data, mm -hmm. right? As long as you have an apples-to-apples apples data scenario, then, you know, looking at data really helps. And I will tell you this, 
I can almost promise you, if you create the chemistry and the strategies and the procedures relative to a collaborative team, you're going to outperform others. Mm-hmm. You just are. Okay. So do that. In fact, my advice to teachers, if there are not these systems, there's nothing stopping you from coming together and saying, you know, we can work as a team and one way, shape, or form we can help impact in a very positive way each other's practices and therefore the results of our students. Let's do that. Right. So I think it's harder. I really do. I, um, I do think this, this really is on the leader to establish not just the culture but the systems attached to it. But in the meantime, if that's not the case, my advice to teachers is, you know, lean in together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, put your students, whether it's one by one or in groups, in the middle of the table recognize that the answer is in that room and work towards solutions and really show your data, right? Be willing to deprivatize not just to each other as a team, but within the context of your school environment. Mm-hmm. Talk, uh, give us an example about where this has worked and then give us an example where it failed. Well, it, it, it's, it, it works all over. In fact, that as I'm talking now, um, there would be a lot of people probably shaking their head up and down. It's not as though this this topic is a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I would say this, that you can walk into almost any school and see examples of this working really, really well. And you can also see that very same school examples where it's not working so well. So it is the leader's job to know where things are clicking on all cylinders and where they're not and intervene accordingly. And it's the leader's job not necessarily to be at the table every time. The leader's job is to work on the system, not in the system. So the leader should know and have an awareness of where the weak points in the building are and where the strengths are, and then help the areas that are struggling most, just like a really good teacher would do in the classroom. So as we think about this success model, culture and climate, clear goals, attention to results, deprivatization, um, which one's the biggest challenge? I think, I think, I really do think it's the deprivatization. I think that there really? is a, there is a culture in education that is sometimes hard to break. I've often said when, you know, great teachers do things, um, we tend to chop down the tall poppies, <laughs> right? So there is sometimes this culture where, we have an expectation of, you know, we don't want to be competitive. We don't want, you know, certain teachers rising above the rest and getting more attention. And I think in some ways that's a shame. Um, If there is a collaborative spirit and system in that space, what they do is they say, listen, we can all be tall poppies. The concept is how do we learn together to constantly grow? And when, when one teacher does something that's phenomenal and impressive, rather than that becoming an issue, let's actually celebrate that and learn from that. And then, by the way, the next time, you may be the tall poppy sharing with your peers. And I think that that kind of culture makes a difference in terms of just the climate of the school. And then I know it makes a difference in the results of the students. I would... Um, I would rely on a team of four teachers working together hand in hand more than I would four teachers who don't talk, Mm. right? And I think that, 
as administrators, our job is the same. As leaders, our job is the same. You don't, you don't shut your door. A really good leader doesn't say to their teachers, do me a favor, shut your door and just be good. Yeah. Just be good teachers. And then, by the way, that, that's a really good leader creates systems and expectations as it relates to how we're going to work together to seek constant improvement all for the benefit of kids. Right. And, and you know, obviously this is a huge topic that we could cover several podcasts, which I'm sure we will. Um, but you've kind of moved on from, you know, and, and more you're more focused now on, uh, on school, you know, leadership, like administrative leadership, right? So where do you see this being applied at that level? Right. So what I see in terms of, you know, leadership of school districts, um, regardless of kind of your position or their principalships, et cetera, is we experience this litany of initiatives, right? They're, they come at us fast and furiously. They're constantly being either dropped in our lap or for some reason we determine that this initiative or this effort is the right thing at this point in time, right? You've heard me talk okay. about this concept of random acts of improvement, <laughs> right? And so the dilemma is sometimes we're juggling right. <clears throat> way too many initiatives. Um, my recommendation is this is primary. I have said it. I'll say it again. There's no silver bullet to this work. But if there is one thing that can move the dial relative to the kind of practices, the kind of spirit necessary in order to support kids, it is this kind of collaborative environment and people knowing how to work in teams and contribute to one another's practices. So my recommendation is start with this, mm -hmm. right? This is, this is the engine for which other things should run through. I mean, this truly this concept of people working in teams in this way that I'm describing, even though it's just general and we can go into you know, great detail, should be the very thing that moves and fuels other initiatives. So you drop initiatives into this process. Mm -hmm. You don't flip it and think, well, we do all these other things. Now, how are we collaborative? <laughs> Right. And so sure. I just think that, you know, building leaders, district leaders need to say this is a priority and then it'll help us navigate the other things. Well, what are some of the visible markers uh, when this is working and then when it's not working? Yeah. So um, I have many. So I'll I'll shift a little bit and uh, send a message to parents. Oh, right. OK. Yeah. So uh, parents. Um, if you pay attention, you know if your teachers, your kids' teachers are working together. Huh. You, you, you really do. Um, and, you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But um, it's obvious to a parent, um, it often is obvious to a parent when teachers are working as a team. Um, you can see it in terms of assignments. You can see it in terms of how they assess. You can see it in terms of even sometimes how they communicate. And, you know, unfortunately, I think parents sometimes struggle with the idea that their teachers are not working together because they're receiving different messages all the time. I don't expect teachers to be the same. That would be a shame, mm -hmm. right? There is an art to teaching. And teachers are artists. The really good ones are artists. So you're not saying we need to do everything the same, but you can tell when they're working together in terms of how they communicate, how they assess, 
how they provide information back to the parents relative to the success or lack thereof of their students. And, you know, you can also see it um, at the top. So, you know, I think that parents and community know when the principal is one who promotes teachers to work together. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.